Okay, let's get started. Yesterday's daf was daf Ayin Vav. Today is Ayin Zayin. We'll have a minor for Shlema for Adasa Basronya and Imi Basvara and Michal Aviva Basiudis and all else who need Rafua. And with that, we'll start our review. We're starting, I think it's six lines down, Rabashi Amar. Okay, so just to give a little bit of a recap, we sort of got caught up in our Mishnah, how seemingly the, the Reisha and the, and the Sefer of the Mishnah don't really fit together, because the Reisha puts the burden of proof that these blemishes were actually later, they, they came about after the betrothal, and that burden of proof is on the father to prove that that's the case, and therefore it's his bad luck. It's supposed to... Um, uh, the Seifa seems to say that once she is already betrothed, I mean not betrothed, once she consummated the marriage and they find these blemishes, so then it's on the husband now who has the burden of proof to prove that this was pre-existing even prior to the betrothal. And it doesn't seem to fit in with each other. And we saw one answer and comes along with she's giving a different take. He says that the race is talking about where the claimant is claiming for a third party. She is claiming that you owe my father money because the money goes to the father, not to her. And that automatically is like, since it's what, what her... Uh, so her cheskas aguf is not helping for herself, it's helping for her father. It needs... Um, um, the burden of proof goes, goes on the father. As opposed to where it's mana, the safer where it's she'd be getting the money, so it's mana libiotcha, so therefore that's a different story. That's what Ravashi says. Okay. Um, so Rav Acha Bered Rav Ivya said Ravashi, but uh, we know that Rameyer, we have a quote here that Rameyer agrees that if it's a type of blemish that was fit to be there, um, definitely from the father's household, so then the, the burden of proof goes back to the father also. Now, uh, that wouldn't fit in with your logic because at that point in time, if it's after the, the consummation of the marriage, the money will be going to her anyway. So why does the burden of proof then fall onto the father? So the Gemara says, you're right, we're talking about something that is a, um, an, that, that something that is by definition very um, um, only typical. That type of blemish is something that you're born with, like an extra finger or something like that. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, then what, what kind of proof would the father be able to bring anyway? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How, what is he supposed to prove? Of course he was born with him, with that, with that disform, you know, deformity. So the Gemara explains that um, the riot that, you could, that he could bring is a riot that he knew about it, and he was aware of it, and he um, didn't, do, uh, you know, and, and didn't have any problem with it. Only now he wakes up and starts having a problem, so then he can't. That that's the difference. Okay. So the Gemara's um, next uh, thing, Rav Yudha said, name is Shmuel. That an interesting halacha. Somebody who who does a barter of a cow for a donkey. So the owner of the donkey went and took possession of the cow. And then the owner of the cow went to take possession of the donkey. By the time he got to the donkey, it was some point in time later, and uh, the donkey is dead. 
So who has the burden of proof? Again, if the donkey had died earlier, then the whole transaction did not take place. It was a mekaktos. If the donkey was not dead yet, so then it's the guy's bad luck, basically. The buyer, you know, that's how it works. So the question is, who has the burden of proof to say that the donkey was still alive at the time of the transaction? The burden of proof it falls on the owner of the donkey to prove that it was still alive. Um, and the proof to that is the halacha of Kala, our Mishnah. So the question is, how does the halacha of Kala have any connection to that case? Which case of Kala are you talking about? If you're talking about, let's say we're assuming, like one of the explanations of the two parts of the Mishnah is uh, the Reish is going like uh, uh, like Rabbi Shua, who said, and the Seif is going like Rabbi Gamliel. Okay, that's what we... That was the... That was one iteration. So if you're talking about the Reisha version, where she's still in the father's household, it's not a good comparison, because there, the fa- who had to bring the proof, the father had to bring the proof, and by bringing the proof, he would be able to collect the money, even though he's not in possession, but he's taking away money from somebody else. Over here, you want the owner of the donkey to bring the proof, to maintain what is already in his possession, which is that he's already in possession of the yeah. cow at this juncture. So that's not the same thing. So Bayi says, okay, let, we're talking about the next case, the case where the, the bride is already in the household of the in-laws, and now the burden of proof switches over to the, um, to the husband to prove that she had this pre-existing before the betrothal. And... Um, and uh, the burden of proof is on him, and that's the really going like Rabbi Rabbi Gamliel's opinion. Um, the question is that's still not a good comparison because over there, the husband is going to bring a proof, and um, and ruin the father's existing chazaka that she was born healthy, and it probably happened later. Over here, the Balachamor is going to bring a proof to establish or continue the Chazaka that, it, that was there, which is that it was a live donkey originally. Okay? So it's extending the existence of the Chazaka. He's proving to extend the, the, the Chazaka so it's on the same side as the Chazaka. And over here, it's against the, the, that Chazaka. So again, it doesn't really fit in. So Rabbi Yitzchak says, you know what, the case that the proof is the Reisha, it's the Kala in the father's household, but not with regards to the money of the Ksuva, but with regards to the Kesav Kiddusha. Now don't think that this is taking sides in an existing dispute of Kiddushin, whether when somebody does a Kiddushin and then somehow never got to the consummation, either he died or whatever, something happened, they got divorced, that he'd be entitled to the Kedusha money back, which is a discussion. Here, it, everybody would agree that Kedusha would definitely, he would be entitled to get it back, and that's because this falls into the category of Kedusha Tos. It's a Mekach Tos. So for sure, he should be able to get his Kedusha money back. And nevertheless, the father is going to bring a proof that this uh, blemish will happen later, and by bringing the proof that the blood which happened later, so then he will be able to maintain in his rights the money of the Kedushan that's by, already by him.
Okay. So that's that. That was that explanation. Comes along the Gemara and asks a kasha from Halach and Chulin. Okay, Mishnah uh, brought, brought down about a needle that was in the uh, the basakosis, which is the, called the reticulum in English, and uh, it's right in the, the wall of the basakosis. So if it's only one sided, it's not a trefa, but if it uh, goes through and through. That would be a trefa. But uh, the question is, when did the needle penetrate? It's really the question. So if there's blood on it, so it was all before the shkita, and it's going to be a trefa. If there's no blood on it, so then you know that it was after shkita. What if the blood is coagulated? It's already, you know, you see the scab. So you know that it was at least three days prior, because that's how long it would take to... Um, to... Uh, to, to form the scab so it's uh, at least three days prior to the shkita that it happened what if it's not the case and now we don't know who under whose domain did this needle penetrate the stomach was it the original owner of the animal and therefore the buyer is mekaktos and he could basically say I never bought it under that circumstance I didn't want to buy one with a needle in the stomach and the seller um, and uh, oh, so who's the burden of proof on? So the rule is one who wants to take away from somebody else, he has the burden of proof. So if the ta- but butcher already paid for the cow, so he has, the, he has to bring the proof, and then if he can bring the proof that this needle was there before, so then he'd be able to get his money back, really, because the other person is already in possession of the money. Now, why uh, let the Baal Behema bring a proof and, um, and then keep the money that's at him in his pocket, which is really very similar to our case of the bride, okay? The father's bringing proof to be able to keep the money that's in his pocket, the Kedusha money, okay? Um, so the Gemara says... Um, and and what, maybe we should talk about a case where uh, the butcher didn't pay it. Um, uh, we're talking about where the butcher didn't pay. How, why would you? Is that what's going on? So then, why would we talk about only that case? What about the case where you did pay? So Rami Bar Cheskel came along and he said, "Oh, hold on. You you got you're learning from my brother Rav Yehuda, who." Is quoting Shmuel, he said Shmuel's statement wrong. Shmuel did not say, as reviewed the said in the name of Shmuel, that uh, the case of the Machlet Parva Chamar, etc., and the proof to that is the Kala. The case exact is a little bit different. The case is um, that really Shmuel said, any time, the, who is the one who has the burden of proof? Meaning the burden of proof is on where we found the suffix. So in other words, since um, when it's machlef para be chamor, so in whose domain was the donkey, um, where we're not sure whether it was alive or dead, it was in the domain of the owner of the donkey, because that's what's going on over here. So then the burden of proof falls on him. 
Um, and if it would be in the other person's possession, then it would be his proof. He would have the burden of proof. So that's, that, that's what's going on over here. Um, and that's basically going along with the, and the proof is the case of Kala. It's not going like that the Mishnah is split up between two Tanoim, Rabbi Shua and Rabbi Gamliel, but rather it's going all in Rabbi Gamliel's opinion, and it's going in that version of Rava, which basically is, is that Kan Nimtza Kan Haya. The burden of proof is on whose domain it's in. Okay? That's why it switches who has to bring the proof. Um, so that's the story. So, the, so that, now, that explains everything. Now the question is, how does this fit in with the needle case? Uh, the case of the needle, we said that if the butcher didn't pay, I mean, if the butcher, let's say, didn't pay, then the owner of the animal will still have to bring the proof, and then he'll be able to get his money. Um, um, who's, where, in whose domain did the suffix kick in? By the butcher. Let the butcher bring the proof. Um, so the answer is because the butcher already paid the money. Why would we talk only about a case where the butcher already paid the money? The answer is because that's the normal case. As long as uh, you, you, nobody gives up their animal without getting the money up front. That's basically like the end. That is where we left off. And we'll take it from here. To the okay.